and welcome to another episode of Better Than Fine. I am your host, Darlene Marshall. And if you listened, if you listen to the show regularly, and if you listen to, I think it was episode 122, it was the one on orthorexia and, and eating disorders and disordered eating. If you listen to that episode, you heard me talk about, you know, my own relationship with I mean, not having the best time with my own eating behaviors. Uh, and if you listen to that episode, you also heard me talk about something called intuitive eating. And, you know, we'd never done an episode on intuitive eating before. I'd always been, you know, curious and interested about the principles of intuitive eating. But the reason we talked about it then, and, and you don't have to listen to that episode to listen to this episode, but if you wanted to, it would give you a little more context. Intuitive eating was found to be so far the only evidence-based treatment and response to orthorexia, uh, specifically for women. But I thought that that was really interesting, that this idea of principles on how we approach the way we nourish our bodies could effectively help to you know, reprogram or heal the relationship that we have with our own healthy eating patterns, not just on the side of like you're eating too much junk food and you're not taking care of yourself, but on the other end where you're so, so obsessed with, so overconnected to having to get everything right, that intuitive eating could be an approach that can help to mend that relationship. And as I thought more about it, one of the things that I'd wished for myself was that I could take these principles and bring them back to like 12 year old Darlene and how different her life might've been if she'd learned them then. Uh, and I also started to think about that. I wish that she had known today's guest uh, for the show. So today's guest is Katie Hake and, and she's got such a great skill set that I'm so excited to explore and share with all of you. Um, so Katie's a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor, and, and I absolutely love this. She is, put this in quotes, direct quote from her website, a non-diet dietitian. Let's think about what that means. Like to me, that means we're going to focus on how to eat instead of how to diet. I think that's such a a zingy phrase, a zingy set of ideas, the non-diet dietitian. And she's also a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I invite her on the show today to explore intuitive eating uh, with me and with all of you. And I'm really excited to have her. She very recently presented at NASM Optima, uh, which is how I found her work. Uh, and so we're going to explore her work together. Katie, welcome to Better Than Fine. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I honestly was getting like goosebumps and almost like teary eyed hearing your story because I resonate with it just, just so much. And I, I can probably guarantee that many of our listeners today are, are feeling the same goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for validating that. Um, I know for me so often, I feel like, you know, the, the black swan in the fitness space because there's so many different things than, than what so many of us are taught. And I know that you have that journey yourself, you know, on your website, you talk about, um, how do you put it, that the status quo for you was doing more harm than good. Uh, do you mind unpacking that for us? Oh, I mean, you got, you got two hours. I'll try, I'll try to keep it brief, but you know, I don't really, know. Eric's probably got a haircut <laughs> or something to do, but you and I can hang. Let's go. I, I I mean, this is my absolute favorite topic and where, especially intuitive eating and this topic meets the wellness and the fitness space. I'm just, I, I wish I had a taller ceiling because I'd be standing up and jumping because I could talk so much about it. But my story with fitness, you know, really with fitness, my body, I kind of integrate food, fitness and body all in one for me really started as 
you know, in grade school. I will never forget stepping into you know, my very first group fitness class. It was at my local YMCA. You know, I wasn't of age, right? You have to be a certain age in order to take classes. And I snuck in there with my sister. And I just will never forget that feeling of just feeling so empowered yeah. by the people in the room, the different bodies in the room, you know, just, it was such a positive experience with movement for me. You know, I never really was that good at sports uh, in different subjects. I was okay. I was an okay student, but I always joke that like I could have majored in group fitness, like choreographed exercise <laughs> was my jam. So I'm, I feel like I was one of the few fitness professionals that actually went into school knowing, okay, I, I fitness is my thing. I definitely want to do that. But I also, you know, thought as a young professional, well, so many people want to understand this nutrition stuff. So it probably would be smart if I went to school to become a dietitian as well. Now, if you would have told, you know, 12 year old Katie or however high school Katie that becoming a dietitian required so much organic chemistry and biochemistry <laughs> and all science. the science, I probably would have bailed. Like I, I had no idea. I was so ignorant, you know, but I look back on my journey and Wow. It's just been such a journey. So, you know, I started in personal training. I actually failed my exam, I think three times starting out, you know, because I just was that hungry, young, you know, college kid, like, let me figure it out. And actually kind of fell into group fitness because I didn't pass my personal training exam as a newbie, you know, freshman in college. So I attended this call out and really fell in love with it. So kind of went backwards, you know, group fitness first, then fell into personal training all while studying to become a dietitian. And so, you know, in my training with fitness was really, I was fortunate to have a really positive experience in college as well. I went to Purdue University, amazing mentors, you know, there really was a wellness focus at that university and not focused on shrinking your body. It was a very much, very uh, multicultural, very diverse, very welcoming. And I don't think that every college setting or student could probably say yeah. the same thing. So very fortunate from that aspect. However, with the nutrition side of my training and just, you know, how we're trained as dietitians is, and I think this is the fitness space as well, right? We're, we're trained almost as trainers and fitness professionals and nutrition professionals, or even just health professionals that most people want weight loss yep. and weight loss equals health. And so for me, how I programmed it, you know, in my still developing brain was, okay, well, in order to really be valued in this profession, in order to really make my mark, you know, on the industry, okay, okay, I've, I've got to be, you know, a product of the product. I have to, uh, people are going to judge my body. And so in order yeah. to have any level of success, I need to look a certain way. And so I really, you know, to, to your story as well, health and fitness became my identity. Yep. And in the moment, it felt uh, like it wasn't a bad thing. I was praised for it. I was praised for, you know, getting up and going to the gym every day at 5 a.m. And then, you know, teaching five group fitness classes, you know, subbing a few in the afternoon, training clients all day. Oh, and by the way, going to school, right? And it, I, it got to the point where, you know, long story longer, I hit burnout, you know, physical burnout, uh, mental, emotional burnout, you know, looking back, I even my, my now husband, we, we dated in college, I vividly remember him saying, like, I think you're depressed. And to me, it was like, 
what are you talking about? I'm the most positive person ever. But it's this, it's this identity of fitness, my body, like I am the fitness person. And so it took a long time, many years really, to kind of unwind that narrative and really starting to challenge a lot of what other fitness professionals in, in my area were doing as well. At the same time, I was presenting for another major fitness company. They're no longer around, but you know, I was trying to be on stage, present on stages at conferences and, you know, in consumer fitness videos. And so it was all about shrinking my body and micromanaging really everything around me. So took a long time to kind of unwind that. And really, I think my intuitive eating journey didn't really fully start probably till post-grad. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing so much of that story. Uh, listener, you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. My guest today has dual degrees in dietetics and nutrition, fitness and health from Purdue University. Her name is Katie Hake. Uh, and, and Katie, thank you so much for sharing that arc of your story. There's so many things about it that are just ringing like bells in my head. Um, the first thing that jumped out, which I just want to share with you because I think it's cool, was our most recent guest was Kelly McGonigal. And she shared almost in the like the same tone, the same enthusiasm of discovering group fitness in her adolescence when she didn't think of herself as athletic. She didn't play sports. And she now has had this lifelong love affair with movement seeded by that first moment, similar to what you described as the why, at the why. Uh, and I just thought you'd think it was neat to hear, like, I love hearing that kind of resonance. Um, but the other thing that I hear that's so resonant with a couple of guests we've had over the last few months has been this theme of, I was turning myself into the identity of what's projected as a fitness professional, soft quotes, and here's all the ways that it harmed me. And what I'm finding is so many of the divergent thinkers in the fitness and wellness space right now are the people who tried to put on that identity and saw the harm it was doing to themselves, recognized, therefore, the harm it would be doing to the people they serve and are now trying to find a new path through tools that maybe honor our humanity a bit more. And I don't, there's not, I don't know if there's a question in there, but I'm curious to hear if you have any thoughts about either that experience for you or what you're noticing around yourself in the industry, because I think it's a really important thing to call out. So like mm -hmm. almost like a beacon to anyone else who's feeling that way, like, Hey, you're not alone. I feel it. You've just felt it. We've had other guests that have felt it. And then, right. It's like, and what now, like what's next? Um, do you want to speak to any of that? Like pick oh, up the ball and run with it. Absolutely. You know, you know, I have a lot to talk about. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. It doesn't have to be one episode. You can always come back. Love that. Thanks for that invite. But, you know, to your point, when I really started that journey for myself of it kind of exploring and, dig, you know, doing the deep work of, you know, if my clients can't follow these meal plans that I'm giving them, if my clients can't just do X, Y, Z, I can't do X, Y, Z. It's not that black and white for me. Why, why am I still promoting this? Why is everyone else around me still promoting it? Yeah, that's how the question I'm, to me. Yeah. How, and, you know, and I'm still feeling like a failure. So I wonder how my clients are feeling. I wonder how they're feeling when I'm asked them to step on a scale as a form of accountability how is that impacting them? And so I felt really conflicted. And it wasn't until I actually discovered the research, the science behind intuitive eating that I was able, you know, and again, this was early into my career. I was actually working at a weight loss clinic. I was working as a bariatric <laughs> dietitian, you know? So 
it just so many conflicting things of like, this is what I've learned. This is what I've been trained in both the nutrition and the fitness industry, but it doesn't feel right. And so it took a long time. You know, I kind of like to say I was like sitting on the fence and a lot of professionals in my field feel this way when they first discover intuitive eating and a non-diet approach is like, I'm sitting on the fence. Everybody else in this culture is telling me to do one thing, but my gut just, it doesn't feel ethical. It doesn't feel right for me personally. And I don't want to practice it. I don't want to take clients through a cycle, through a journey that I've experienced and I know doesn't align. I thank you. First off, <laughs> thank you for saying it's not ethical on the mic. Uh, very often, I feel like I'm the only person in the room screaming, like, <laughs> uh, is what you're doing ethical? Um, because so, you know, for me, the pivot moment was uh, working on NASM certified wellness coaching course and diving into like movement and self-care from a wellness lens as opposed to a personal training lens and coming across the research on how ineffective diets are. And just having that, that data smack me in the face of not only do they not work at like a six month time horizon, like maybe if you're lucky, you're in that like 5% that at a six month time horizon, that's actually effective. But if we take it out to an 18 month time horizon, almost, almost everyone who is doing any kind of nutritional intervention, whether it's fitness or nutritionists or dietitians, it's failing at an 18 month time horizon. And we're out there taking people's money. And we're going to do an episode on that, like teaser to the listener. They're going to get an episode on that. In January, we've got an expert coming in to talk about that. Um, but if you want to speak to any of that at all, but what, what you said about like, why, why would I be doing this? And why is everyone else still selling this if this is what happens? It's like the biggest lie. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited that you're going to dive into that topic because yeah. it's, it's sickening, really, if you think about it. You know, it actually gives me a visceral feel, like a visceral reaction when I think yep. and get so upset about me personally, as well as so many of my clients, friends, family, how much money, how much time, how much effort, how much mental brain space that they will never get back because they've wasted it on, you know, we use the term diet, but maybe for listeners, you may or may not have heard of the term diet culture. And diet culture is essentially that culture and maybe even wellness culture, I think has been stolen in a sense from this diet culture as well in some capacity of, you know, I promise you that if you follow this and it's always rebranded and repackaged in a different. um, It's not a diet, it's a reverse (laughs) diet. It's a lifestyle. It's, you know, even intuitive eating is been getting a lot of, you'll hear it, you'll read it a lot, but. I look at it as actually knowing what intuitive eating is. And at the end of the day, if it's restriction in any sense, whether it's a physical restriction, right? Limiting the amount or the types of foods, or if it's a mental restriction, you can eat anything, but you know, there's something, there's something behind it. Then it's, it's a diet. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. My guest today is the owner of Katie Hake Health and Fitness. Uh, big surprise. Her name is Katie Hake. And we've been rapping a bit about diet culture, but I think I'm going to take this moment to pivot because I, I get the sense that you and I could sit here and spin on the industry indefinitely. But 
you know, this show really is intended to be for um, not just the practitioner, but the listener who's out there trying to have their own life. That is, I'm going to say it. I'm going to be that person who says the title of their show in their show, their own life. That's better than fine. Um, and so for, for all of our audience, um, can you define intuitive eating for us? Like what is intuitive eating? Sure. You know, the best way I like to describe intuitive eating is it's really a self-care model of eating. And it was Ooh. actually, yeah, that's, it's the best way that I describe it is it's, you know, yes, it's guided by these principles, but it's really a model. And for myself as a practitioner, it's the lens that I look at whenever I'm working with a client or, you know, doing some sort of education. It's that framework that kind of guides really everything. Um, it is to your point, I know you mentioned this earlier in the show, it is evidence-based. It was actually created by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, they're two dietitians who created this, you know, back in the 90s, it's nothing new. However, now there's over 120 studies that actually validate the research that yes, in fact, this does work, which is super exciting, because there's really more evidence coming out to support it. Yeah. And when we say evidence-based for, for any listener who isn't in the STEM field, which one of the things I love, like, you know, having an applied science degree myself, and, and I heard you say it earlier, it's like, oh, I never thought going into this, I was going to be a scientist. But now a lot of what sounds like what you do, what I do is taking this scientific rigor and then figuring out how do we bring it into people's lives. And so evidence-based being there is a body of scientific evidence that we can point to and go, yes, these principles work for this much of the population and maybe not everything is going to work for everybody all the time. But if we, you know, use a whole suite of tools, something is going to shift for you and then something more and something more and something more. Um, and so what are those foundational principles? We talked about them a little bit in the orthorexia. So, but you're the expert. And so that's why I'm excited to have you on talking about it. Like what are the principles of intuitive? In this, let's try that again, intuitive. <laughs> so there's there's 10 principles and I won't sit by going through every single one of them, but people can actually just go right to intuitiveeating.org. That's, you know, I definitely would reference that's the the hub, if you will, of the intuitive eating resources, but you can read all the 10 principles and basically it covers everything from, you know, honoring your physical hunger, your physical fullness, which is often very difficult for people to do, mm. you know, am I hungry? Am I full? What is my body telling me versus what is everyone else telling me? So, you know, that's a big baseline of the principles as well as movement. You know, movement is actually tied into the principles as well. And so, you know, the goal of really following these principles is figuring out kind of what is my journey? That's what is everything that's happened to me in my lived experience that's gotten to me to where I am and how can I get more in tune with my body to get to a place where I want to be not worrying about what's going to happen to the scale, trusting that if I can really get more in tune with my body, my weight's going to go where it needs to go. I'm going to be at a spot that feels good to me, both physically, but also mentally, emotionally honoring all aspects of, of wellness in my life. Yeah, I really love that idea of, you know, it's not just about what do I what do I want for my body right now? What am I experiencing in my body right now? But that my body is a product of all of my lived experiences, you know, in in continuity, right? And so that um, it's not just about, okay, what did I do this last couple of months? And how do I get my body to change based off of that? It's also, well, what was I doing to my body when I was 14? Um, you know, or 25, and that that's going to have repercussions on where I'm at right now. Uh, I think that's cool. I haven't heard anybody pointed out that way before. 
Another thing I think is a really important key, you know, factor when people are exploring intuitive eating is that I, I hear this all the time. Oh, I tried intuitive eating. It didn't work for me. Well, that really is the difference with intuitive eating is it's not a diet. It doesn't have a start and a stop date. It's really a journey. And I'll, I'll use the example of comparing it to fitness, you know, with, with fitness and movement, you don't just, if, if you really adopt the, an active lifestyle, you don't just exercise and follow a program for a month and then you're done. You, you keep moving, you know, every day mm -hmm. is different. It's a really a continuum. And so the intuitive eating journey is the same way, you know, so it's, it can be a challenging concept for someone to wrap their head around, especially if you've grown up for years and years of your life with that focus of you can, and you have to change your body. And that is really the only goals for food and movement. Yeah. For these tools. Yeah. I'm so glad you buttoned it that way. Cause that's what I was thinking is like, Oh, it sounds a lot to me. Like the difference between fitness, like exercise for fitness and wellness, where I'll often speak about the difference between exercise and physical activity. We're like, if you want to be well, you don't necessarily have to exercise, but you do have to, you probably should move to improve wellness. Um, and I think that's a big difference in lens. And it, to me, this sounds very much like that, where it's like, you know, a prescriptive diet, a prescriptive nutritional program uh, is going to be based on producing a particular outcome. Whereas intuitive eating isn't about a particular outcome. It's about an experience, a journey, and kind of who you want to be when you grow up and letting yourself grow into that direction, right? Like, would you agree with that sense of it? That it's, it's ongoing, right? It's progressive. It's not. Yeah, absolutely. Get ready for your wedding. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell clients, you know, they kind of ask like, well, how long, how long, how many sessions do I need? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> that looks really different for everybody because of, you know, because you have a different experience around food. I have a different experience around food. You know, we all have experienced the way we eat, the way we look at food, the way we enjoy food, you know, not just our preferences, but our habits, our behaviors, our beliefs around food and fitness. I mean, that is often so ingrained. So, you know, there's no like stamp date of, okay, you've made it. You're an intuitive eater. It's, <laughs> you did it. It's ongoing. You know, I have clients who, who seems like they've mastered it, you know, air quotes, if you will, but every day is different, you know, and every day is a new experience. And so it's just, how can I equip myself with more of the tools to be able to handle, you know, when I have a bad body image day, it's not that I'll never have bad body image days, but how do I handle those experiences around food in my body that it doesn't just throw me off, you know, kick me to the curb. I have a little bit more resilience and a little bit more positivity that I can just keep going. I just keep going and tackle the next day. I love you. You know, we talk about um, positive psychology on this podcast quite a bit. Um, this is what I studied. And um, I hear you using so many positive psychology words like resilience. And um, there was something else that you said a moment ago that was like, yep, there's a positive psychology term. Like so much of what you just talked about is the psychological skills of long-term self-care as opposed to, you know, which, which to me comes from coaching, right? Like so often we learn the psychological skills through a coaching mindset, as opposed to the prescriptive nature of something like personal training or group fitness, where you literally have someone telling you what to do. And I think that it's important to highlight with something like intuitive eating, that it's not a set of prescriptions that a practitioner is just going to slap onto you, that it is this journey of discovery and exploration and acceptance and push back on acceptance and again and again, and which is why, 
you know, you wake up into that different self, you know, it's an Ani DeFranco lyric. Egos are like hairdos. They're different every day, depending on how you slept the night before. Um, and I hear that in what you're describing about your own practice. And so, well, let me ask you this then. How do you set client expectation then when they're coming in and they're like, how many sessions do I need? And you're like, I don't know, because I don't know your life yet. <laughs> like, this, What's that dynamic look like? This took a long time and a lot of trial and error uh, <laughs> as a professional in figuring out how do I explain this to people? Because I often found, and this was early in my career, I was doing nutrition counseling in a gym and I found myself having a lot of clients come into my, you know, office. My office was a, the kid center. <laughs> the kid center was my office. I'm sure many uh, listeners might be able to relate to that as your consultation room, but it's, it's setting that expectation up front. You know, I will not, um, Kaiza, you, you guys may know her. She's the name in the industry. She always says, I will not co-sign your weight loss. And I thought, I just love how she says that because I, it's taken a lot of practice and really working on myself first before I felt confident to say, you know, these are my values. These are, this is my philosophy. This is the framework that I work at as, you know, as a dietitian, as a nutrition professional, you can want weight loss. However, that's just not going to be our focus. And so it's, it's helping people understand this is a journey, but like I tell personal training clients as well, my goal for all my clients, whether it's fitness or nutrition is to get you to the point where you don't need me where yeah. you can wake up and you can decide, okay, this is how I'm going to move my body today. And this aligns with my goals or from a nutrition side, you know, I, I can look at a menu and I don't feel any stress or anxiety about what to eat. I know exactly what to eat, whether I'm on vacation, whether I'm cooking, whether I suddenly have a kid, like I can navigate any season of life because I really understand my body and what works best for me. Yeah. I mean, you're, again, it just feels like you're singing my song. The idea that um, from the ethics perspective, we're not trying to create codependency in our clients, right? We're trying to create independence and then they can choose interdependence if they want. Uh, and, and ethically, I'm just, I'm vibing on everything you're saying. Um, you're listening to Better Than Fine. I'm your host, Starling Marshall. My guest is Katie Hake, who clearly is truly a holistic practitioner. And uh, I, I'm getting a lot of respect for a lot of what you're putting down. Um, so. If, if I were a listener listening to this and I'm vibing on the ideas of learning how to eat in a way that respects my body, that syncs with my body, that um, is, is anti-diet because it's not about outcome, it's about process, you know, where, where might they go to get started? What does getting started with this even look like? Do I need a coach? Can I do it on my own? Like, what does that mean for someone who's trying to explore this? That's, that's a great question. I think really the best place to start is, like I said, the, the mecca of it all, you know, the go straight to the source, which would be the intuitive eating book is, is kind of where it developed. I've got this, wherever this behind me, <laughs> that's like <laughs> those a, little, on YouTube. a little work, a little workbook, but they have an actual book that goes deep into the science that really dives deep into each, each of the 10 principles. Um, but they also have a workbook. So if you're somebody who likes to kind of right as you go, you kind of process things better versus just reading it. That's another option. I mean, they have so many tools there, but to answer your question, you know, do I need a coach? I, I think it's, you know, it's just like anything it's, it's with fitness. You know, if you want to get started now, go ahead and get started, start that journey. You know, why wait till tomorrow? If you get to a point where it feels like, Hmm, I'm feeling stuck or I could use more support. 
that's what there's professionals like myself, you know, and you out there for is if you can have somebody working with you alongside on that journey, heck yeah, that's going to benefit you. But I, w- I would advise people just like, you know, for any health professional that you choose to work with or, you know, just anyone in life, interview them, you know, set up a few free calls at all the, you know, different places and different trainers, because you do want to find somebody that you vibe with and that you match with, and then they, they really listen to you and they put your agenda first instead of putting their agenda of first of what they want to accomplish. So important. Yeah. I want to speak to that a little bit. Um, cause you, you know, you'd mentioned as a practitioner finding your own line and saying like, okay, weight loss is not going to be my focus because that doesn't align with my values and whatever. And, you know, I could hear the potential for someone out there hearing that and then hearing your advice to find somebody who puts you first, whereas the practitioner in this case would be drawing a boundary. And I just want to throw out there and, and I'm doing it a little boldly because I'm assuming you're going to agree with me. Neither one of us is saying like, ah, oh, don't, don't go out there and do that thing. Like do the thing that works for you, do the thing that fits you. And if you've got goals that you want to continue to pursue, even though both of us are saying that evidence wise, we know from the science, it may not be the best thing for you. Like, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to stomp on that, but we're also not going to be the practitioner that makes the space for you. And maybe you're going to find somebody who you vibe with in a different way that fits those goals, but it should be someone you trust, someone that's certified, someone whose ethics and values you align with. Um, and I always tell clients, whenever we're looking for any allied practitioner, you find people you trust and then you do what they say. Right. Um, so I just wanted to like add the little back end stamp to that of, we as practitioners have the right to say like, no, we're not going to do that. You have the right as client to go off and find somebody who, who better fits whatever you're on about. Absolutely. And I, I will say, I will add this too. You know, if you choose to kind of explore intuitive eating, it is a journey, but recognize too, the more that you can do the work to put weight loss on the back burner. Again, you can still want it. That's totally normal, especially if that's kind of where you you've come from. But the more that you can really put that on the back burner and focus on the attunement with your body and kind of, you know, for lack of better terms, go all in, you're going to see the process, the, the inner work, I guess you could say, uh, happen a lot faster. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I dig that. And then I think maybe, you know, maybe this will be kind of the last rabbit hole we go down is you mentioned being on the fence and seeing and, I, and I've been on the fence, too, in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, someday we'll get a, a cup of coffee and talk about it. Um, but on the one hand, you've got everything we've been taught to think is true about fitness and wellness and how bodies work and, okay, follow these programs and prescriptions and you'll get this outcome. And on the other side of the fence is everything you and I now know to be true. And I think in the industry right now, we're seeing a lot of people sitting on the fence. And so if, if there's a listener, whether they're a personal trainer, a wellness coach, a life coach, a positive psychology practitioner, like whoever you are out there in the world who you are in a moment of divergent thinking, because you have seen that writing on the wall that Katie and I are talking about, but you also have a whole industry that's telling you like the only way you can sell personal training is to sell weight loss. The only way you can have effective nutrition intervention, the only way you can be healthy is to promote weight loss. Um, the only way that you build you know, success in life is to follow a traditional pattern, even though all of the science says that happiness comes from um, these other factors that have nothing to do with how much money you make, right? Like if you're the person that sees that all is incorrect because you're on the, pe- the fence, Katie, what would you say to them to invite them to our side of the fence? 
the best side of the fence. No, I, I don't. <laughs> it's client, the ethical side of the fence. I, I feel like anybody who does, you know, really have this discovery, they just want to like shout it at the rooftops. Like, why yep. doesn't everybody do this? Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's two sides of it. In order for someone to really, you know, make that transition, if you're a practitioner, you've got to do the work for yourself first, Ooh, yeah. right? You've, you've got to work on yourself <laughs> and understand and unpack. And maybe that means you, you know, that could mean, let's say it was for, for even me as a dietitian. And I did do this is I actually worked with another dietitian. I worked with therapists who are trained in this to help me understand why do I feel so conflicted about this? Because it's not about my clients anymore. It's about me <laughs> and this information that I'm being told and I'm wanting to believe it, but I'm feeling pulled this other direction. That's, I need to challenge some of those beliefs. So I think there's the side of looking into the research, looking at the science, you know, let your logical brain dig into research studies, dig into books, you know, talk to people, get the facts that you need to know and kind of analyze to make that decision logically. But then also there's the emotional side of it that we you know, we just have to look at it because that is how our brains work. And so the emotional side of it is really unpacking. What is my story with food? What is my story with my body? You know, why is it that I feel that weight loss has to be the focus? What is the narrative that's been painted in my life? And am I projecting that on others? And I know you mentioned this earlier in, in the interview of, you know, I felt like I was doing more harm than good. And that was because I was, I was selling weight loss because I was holding on to these beliefs that, you know, if, if I don't sell weight loss, I'm not going to have any clients, you know, nobody's yep. going to want to work with me because it's much harder to weight loss is easier to sell, you know, but I think the more authentic you can be as yourself, and this is on an individual level, but also on a professional level, oh my gosh, you're just, you're going to attract that. And, and your how you present and the information and the way that you coach and train clients it's going to be so much more authentic. It's going to be so much more fulfilling. And isn't that ultimately, you know, what we want? I, it's such fantastic advice. Like as soon as you started to say, I was like, yes, of course, do the work yourself first. It's, it's such excellent advice. And so thank you for giving that. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is anyone who's regularly listened to the show has heard me say this already so many times, but I'm going to keep saying it because I'm going to keep screaming it from the rooftops. Earlier this year, Mintel published a report that showed for the very first time, the top motivators for exercise are mental and emotional well-being and physical well-being and aesthetics is following up in the rear. And so the industry can choose to get behind that trend. But as long as we're out here going weight loss, weight loss, look real hot, look good in your underwear. The people who want something else are going to think they don't belong here. And that's the last thing that I want is for people who want to take better care of their well-being to feel like they don't have anywhere to go because we're all too busy going, look good in your underwear. Like it's time to move on, kids. Like we've got more to offer and there's more evidence-based solutions that are better for everyone. So get on our side of the fence. <laughs> we want you over here. Um, awesome. Katie, where can people find your work? Yeah, I, I love to hang out. I have a website. My website is easy. It's just katiehake.com. Um, but I too have a podcast called Fit Friends Happy Hour. And I love to hang out on Instagram. Instagram is is my jam. I just love there. So those are my places. I actually do have for any, um, both clinicians and just, you know, average Joe listeners. If you go to my website, I do have a link of, of resources as well. Um, all my favorite books, podcasts, things to learn more about 
all things this topic. You can go down your own rabbit holes. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Better Than Fine podcast. And listener, if you have questions for either of us, uh, but it's particularly for me, um, you could reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn. Very easy to find there. Instagram, I'm Darlene.coach or shoot me an email. I'm info at, wait for it, Darlene.coach. Info at Darlene.coach. If you are a fan of the show, I hope that you have already subscribed. But if you haven't, go do that right now. And if you want to help the show grow, the best thing that you could possibly do would be to leave us a review. So be sure to leave five stars, drop a few words. It does help us get found out there on the interwebs uh, so that we can keep making shows like this uh, for you. So thank you so much for being a fan of the show.